Welcome to the Chiropractors Association of Australia podcast. The CAA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy and politics of chiropractic, as well as the latest research and how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the CAA podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. Now, today's podcast is one with a difference because uh, you won't be hearing too much from me. I've managed to recruit in Dr. Scott Charlton, who is a former executive director of the CAA National Board, uh, a chiropractor up in Queensland, and he's uh, going to be talking today to Dr. Chris Coloca, an American chiropractor that many of you will know. Dr. Coloca is a researcher, educator, and uh, inventor, and he's a real heavyweight in the field, not only of chiropractic, but healthcare in general. Dr. Coloca received his Bachelor of Science degree from Ithaca College in Exercise Science prior to graduating from Life Chiropractic College in 1995. Dr. Coloca recently completed his PhD uh, in Kinesiology program at Arizona State University and at the School of Nutrition and Health Promotion. He's published over 50 papers and reviewed a number of scientific journals. In 2000, Dr. Coloca founded Neuromechanical Innovations, a medical science device company who invented and manufactured the impulse adjustment, which is used in over 50 countries by 8,000 chiropractors worldwide, and there happens to be a few of those instruments in my office as well. So without further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Dr. Scott Charlton and have a great podcast. So I'd like to welcome uh, Dr. Chris Coloca. G'day, Chris. How are you? Ah, great, Scott. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Now, we'll, we'll dive right into the questions uh, for you, Chris. So first of all, for those listening out there, could you run through some of your background, um, your research career, and, and how you've got to where you are today? Oh, well, I'll, I'll try to keep it uh, simple with a question like that. Um, yeah, I, I graduated from university with an exercise science degree, so I had a bachelor's degree. So I was always very inquisitive uh, in chiropractic college when I heard about different theories and techniques and things. And so um, uh, I set out to read research articles very early on in practice, and I went to hear a guy by the name of Dan Murphy speak when I was early on in chiropractic uh, college and he did an incredible review of the literature and he uh, showed all these great articles that he had found that supported uh, a, a chiropractic standpoint and so at that point I started going to the library instead of reading Sports Illustrated I started reading Spine and it was a lot of fun and I had a, a real interest in, in research and um, when I graduated from chiropractic college I had an interest in the activator method and instrument adjusting because that's the experience I had as a patient uh, to become a chiropractor. And so, uh, long story short, because I was fresh out of school and had a scientific bend, uh, I was asked to help with the activator textbook and I wrote a book. And that caused me to do, have to do a lot of literature review to, to help co-author the textbook. And um, I was off and running into, into practice and had the opportunity to attend a, a research conference, uh, an orthopedic conference, called the International Society for the Study of the Lumbar Spine. And uh, when I went to that conference, it really opened my eyes that this is the place 
where researchers go to present their findings from their work prior to publication. And I had no clue about that process. And But that's typically how it works in the scientific community is you do your research, you present at a scientific conference, you get the opportunity to get feedback from the audience uh, that you can include to make your s study better uh, or, or make it more understandable in the discussion section. And um, so that was in 1996 is when I attended my first research conference. I was just a year out of chiropractic college. And then three years later, I was able to present my first research paper at uh, that very same ISSELS conference that was uh, uh, an, annual, an annual event. And so um, I, I think the one thing I can contribute to my research is, is collaboration as a team. Um, I learned very early on that everybody has a skill set. Uh, my skill set was as a chiropractic clinician. I, I wasn't trained formally as a researcher, but I read a lot and tried to understand a little bit more about research design and statistics and the like, but I hadn't take, formally taken classes in statistics. So um, you then have to have a statistician on your team. If you're going to be doing some basic science research that involves dissection, you need to have a surgeon on the team. If you're going to do some tissue analysis, you need to have a histologist on the team. And all of these people are ready, willing, and able to collaborate. You just have to put the minds together. And what I found is attending these different types of spine scientific conferences allowed me to meet the people and the players that are interested in each advancing not only their own interests, perhaps a histologist with histology, but all working together for the good of the whole project. And so, um, uh, sorry for the long answer to your question, but early on in my research career, I met uh, a spine surgeon who mm -hmm. uh, allowed us to do some neurophysiological measurements in live human subjects. Uh, this carried on with more biomechanical experiments, and he happened to do his spine fellowship at um, in, in Adelaide with Rob Frazier. And so Rob is on the editorial board of Spine, and he's had many fellows who have just um, been very successful in their careers. Rob's been just a great mentor to, to those people. And um, we were able to actually come to Adelaide in a research collaboration that took place over the course of almost 14 years and produce uh, over 20 publications from that type of work that was at, uh, answering a series of questions with respect to spinal stiffness, neurophysiological responses to spinal manipulation, and uh, biomechanical responses and, and how the spine uh, vibrates and, and translates and moves, etc. And so um, the, the long-winded answer to your question, I think, is uh, how I arrived at this place in my research career is really on the shoulders and backs of others and all working together. Uh, and that really commissioned me to to want to be better myself. So I went back to school myself and did a PhD uh, in the States at Arizona State University, finished in 2015. And it took me 10 years to finish. Um, it's typically a four-year full-time program that took me 10 because I was doing lecturing and research and um, uh, clinical practice and, and the like. So um, all in all, uh, today I sit here with you and and uh, continue to collaborate with, with different people and um, that that is the the fruit of our our work is all coming together and coming from different perspectives and and uh, being able to come together on a project uh, to, to get it published. Yeah, fantastic, great answer. Um, <clears throat> can I ask you, from your perspective, um, what challenges do you do you think we as a profession face 
and what are some of the key things that you think we, we need to do to try and overcome those? Yeah, so great question. Um, I, look, I'm, I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm going to tell you what I think. And, and here, here's what I think is chiropractic's desire to be separate and distinct. Um, in my personal opinion, and probably its evidence supports it, was early on to protect us from practicing medicine without a license. Unfortunately today, people think in our profession that that's still the trademark of chiropractic and where we should be. And they really don't understand the history as the reason that we wanted to be separate and distinct is not just to be different, was to be able to not be thrown in jail for practicing medicine without a license. So sorry that I'm getting excited here, but you asked the question, Scott. Um, I think it hurts us. It doesn't help us. There's something called healthcare, and healthcare is a multidisciplinary management of patients. It's patient-centered care, and we need to be part of that equation. We need to be part of that relationship with all the other healthcare providers for the overall good of the patient. And this idea that the only healthcare that a patient needs in their whole life is chiropractic care and nothing else is uh, just a, 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 a problem. And I think today we still have uh, chiropractors that, um, that are, are damaging to our profession in their desires to be separate and distinct, not to integrate, not to be part of the healthcare team. And, and, I, and I think when I say that, some people might be alienated or offended uh, in, in the way I think. But, but I've gotta say, you don't need to trade in your membership card one for another. You can still practice chiropractic from a, from a philosophical perspective and all the other things, keep all of your philosophy but understand that there's more to healthcare than just chiropractic. And we really need to be open-minded and understanding of the approaches of others. And uh, certainly we can call a spade a spade, um, but uh, I, I think one of the big problems we have is we're separatists and we're isolated and we're not integrating into mainstream uh, healthcare. And that's something that I think is, is not going to allow us to be successful in the future. Sure, so following on from that, um, what sort of steps can the average chiropractor take to try and improve on this um, that, you've, uh, that you've outlined? Yeah, so um, I think it's easy. The, fir the first thing that an average chiropractor can do is participate. They need to uh, get out of their practices, get to conferences that uh, are put on by the associations, uh, get to scientific conferences that are being put on by the associations and different groups. Um, you and I, Scott, were together at the DC 2017 conference uh, put on by the World Federation of Chiropractic together with the European Chiropractors Union and the, the uh, American Chiropractic Association. Hey, this was a great meeting where uh, thousands of chiropractors came out and were able to uh, really engage and um, appreciate what is happening from an evidence-based and, and patient-centered uh, uh, 
perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so I think participating is, is one thing. Being a member of the association and, and donating the small amount of money that we can take from our practices and donate to help us put out the fires where we need to. Uh, somebody's got to be responsible for that and these things don't come free. So there's times that we have to handle a political crisis. There's a newspaper, newspaper article, a TV uh, 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 episode that has gone uh, awry for chiropractic and is damaging to us. We need to be able to get our viewpoints out there. And so participating and, and supporting uh, those kinds of responses, I think, are, are also something that the individual chiropractor can do. But, but I think last, I, I, I really think that individual chiropractors should uh, do more like what the medical doctors do, and that is take a little bit more of a scientific role. And you'll see many of uh, many MDs write case reports and write case series. We have wonderful experiences in our practice, and there's templates on on, on the internet. You can learn how to write a case report. You can share your 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 experiences with others uh, by by publishing. And Chiropractic uh, Journal of Australia is a is a journal that takes uh, case reports. And so I think uh, we can we can do a little bit of, of practice based research. And um, I, th I think all of these things are steps that the individual chiropractor can take to help make a difference. No, wonderful. And for, the, for those uh, members out there who are wondering how to take the first step, feel free to contact the association. Uh, we, we have some contacts that can help in this, uh, in this arena. Um, following on again from that, so Chris, where do you see the profession's future? What's, what's our role in, in the, the bigger healthcare space? Yeah, so, um, Look, I, I think it goes without saying that <clears throat> chiropractic provides a very uh, intricate role with conservative management of patients. So the question becomes, okay, so what kinds of patients come to us? Do, do we see patients who have flu symptoms come to us as a first resort? Or do we see p patients who come to us who have uh, musculoskeletal complaints and that's typically what we're, we're known for and I know the profession has historically wanted to say go to chiropractors for overall health but what evidence do we have that we can improve overall health of patients uh, in my opinion we have great evidence for many musculoskeletal conditions as I say many especially uh, lower back pain and especially uh, more evidence now for, for neck pain and some evidence for headache. And, and, I, and to our colleagues, they say, I want more than just back pain. You know, we're not just back pain doctors. Hey, I get it. But if, if your patient suffers back pain or you believe that their stomach problems are stemming from a, a chiropractic problem, what's, what's the difference? Why, why, why the attraction to managing somebody with stomach complaints? Um, it's again patient-centered care and what makes the most sense logically and intuitively there could and, and when we perform our history and our examinations and our analyses this is exactly what we're supposed to be trying to ferret out is is this patient in the right place for their condition uh, the patient with stomach complaints there could be all kinds of different different differential diagnoses that come into play as to what's causing that but typically if we have a patient who presents with mechanical back pain 
this is pain that is increased upon certain movements and they have a directional preference, hey, clinical prediction rules are showing that we have a good chance of getting a patient response and improvement in, in the, the uh, mechanical back pain patient where we don't have evidence as much. Uh, not as much, I don't think at all, with the patient with the stomach complaints other than a, maybe a case report here and there. So I, I think we have to really take a look and say, all right, where are we going with this? We need to manage the, the patients that, that uh, logically and intuitively are going to uh, get the best responses from our care, in, in my personal opinion. And that's patients who uh, present to us with problems of the spine, and we have less, less evidence uh, for the extremities, but these are certainly areas of interest. Uh, that we can begin to, to study and we've been successfully managing anecdotally for a long, long time. So, uh, you know, I think there's some that might listen to this recording and say, oh, Chris is selling out for musculoskeletal care and I'd like to use the word neuromusculoskeletal care or what about the overall health of the individual? Hey, if you want to manage the overall health of the individual, you better have outcome measures that are reliable and valid to measure the overall wellness and health of this individual. And we better make sure we have multifactorial approaches to helping them because there's certainly more, more than just uh, manipulation or adjustments that's going to cause those types of improvements. Okay, a lot to digest there. Um, Chris, finally, um, we've, we've met with you yesterday uh, about this concept of the Spine Week um, that you're hoping to bring to uh, Australia in 2020. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So um, I have been a member of this society that I just mentioned, the International Society for the Study of the Lumbar Spine, for um, about 15 years now. And I've attended that conference for about 20. And um, this is a multidisciplinary society, uh, mainly uh, comprised of orthopedic surgeons, neurosurgeons, and then there's basic science researchers. And um, this is a conference that's held uh, around the world every single year. Well, the ISIL's uh, uh, meeting every four years has been held in cooperation with Spine Week. So Spine Week is an organization that brings together all of the major uh, spine societies from around the world to all host their meeting at the same time at the same place once every four years. So we've had this meeting in Porto in, in Portugal, it's been in Geneva, Switzerland, it's been in, in, in Singapore, and it's in 2020 going to be in Melbourne. So um, interestingly enough, I uh, just uh, two years ago was asked to become a board member for Spine Week and there's just uh, uh, four board members, I'm one of four, and so that was a wonderful opportunity for me that, that uh, landed uh, on my desk uh, from my collaborations with spine surgeons and doing the chiropractic research that we've been involved in. And uh, this has given them an opportunity to see the types of chiropractic research uh, that we produce. So uh, because I had a seat at the table and I was looking at the Spine Week um, uh, participation schedule for 2020, we saw that the, the North American Spine Society will participate, the International Society for the Study of the Lumbar Spine will uh, participate, there's many different international spine societies that will participate, the Australian Spine Society will participate, and I thought, wouldn't it be a great idea 
to hold a chiropractic conference uh, in conjunction with Spine Week, at Spine Week. And the, the wonderful thing about Spine Week is when you register for the conference, you get access with your pass, your name badge, to go into any of the meetings. So you can attend a, a, a course or a session put on by the Scoliosis Research Society, if that's your interest, or if that session looks interesting to you. Maybe there's one on conservative care. Uh, maybe you're interested in seeing what's the latest in spine surgery and disc replacements, and there's a session on disc replacement. You can go into the North American Spine Society section session on disc replacement. Um, but we would, what we would like to do as part of that Spine Week conference is host a chiropractic conference where we have plenary speakers, we have original research being presented, and we're able to um, showcase chiropractic on the same stage as the other spine societies. And so uh, uh, it's been great to have some meetings preliminarily here uh, since I was in Sydney to help to uh, spark some interest and begin some discussions of seeing how we can actually make that happen. So uh, I think the, uh, the audience will hear more about that as we put that together and uh, hopefully we can put together a great lineup of speakers with a great number of talks on a wide range of subjects that helps uh, give interest to everybody. Oh, look, I, I think that's a, a, a wonderful, um, <clears throat> oh, just cut that out, Matt. Um, I, think, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for, for chiropractic um, to be on the same stage um, in the conversation um, and to enable further collaboration. I think I commend you on your, uh, your input and, and I look forward to seeing what comes of it. Um, I'd like to thank Dr. Chris Coloco uh, for his time. Uh, certainly been uh, very thought-provoking. Um, and I'll let Matthew and, uh, and Kim finish this one up. Uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, thanks a lot, Scott. Thanks for having me. And um, I, I just want to say that uh, coming to Australia is always just a fantastic opportunity for me. And it's just a wonderful country. The people are so warm and friendly, and it's such a diverse country. You, you re really have something to be proud of in this country. And I think what's happening in, in the chiropractic profession in Australia is, is changing, and it's exciting to see the change. And I think uh, we, we all are in for a, a, a positive and encouraging future for chiropractic. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Thanks, Chris. Well, there you have it. Thank you to uh, Dr. Scott Charlton and Dr. Chris Coloco. Another great podcast with uh, great information. That's about it for me. Look forward to catching up with you again on our next CAA podcast. Mm -hmm.